You're listening to Prosperity Egg Out Loud with host Michelle Baker. This podcast is for anyone who loves crop production and the people within our industry. We'll be sharing experiences and expertise on a wide range of topics with individuals from across the province and discussing areas that we can improve within the industry. I hope that you find a piece of information or a contact that helps you in your own agricultural journey. Chris Oldback, super excited to have you here today. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Chris Olback, for those who are not familiar with him, area agronomist. In what area are you covering with Pioneer, Chris? Yeah, Michelle, so I, I cover the uh, the Ottawa Valley area um, and a little bit broader than that. But uh, collectively, it's known as Eastern Ontario. It's basically Belleville to the Quebec border and then up through Renfrew County that I cover. So anywhere uh, the rural routes take me, that'd be uh, over there's farmland is, is area that I cover. I have about 19 sales reps that I work with uh, that are pioneer sales reps and uh, we cover that area uh, quite nicely so that's that's kind of what I do I work with them on a kind of a teaching and coaching mentoring role um, uh, covering off just uh, various agronomy topics with them and how they can better service their customers and uh, and uh, and that kind of stuff so yeah that's kind of that's kind of a little bit of background on my role Yep. Very cool. And how did you come to find yourself in Eastern Ontario? Because from what I know, that's not where you grew up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, a, a good point. Uh, I did um, I did grow up in St. Mary's, Ontario, which is just, just north of London, uh, is, is where I grew up. Um, grew up on a brother breeder farm there. Uh, so we, we had a, a pullets. My father was, he, uh, he had the pullet side of the operation there. Worked with my uncle's uh, or my uncle rather to, to, to where like he would grow uh, the pullets for him, uh, raise them till about 20 weeks and then uh, ship them to them and, and they would, they would breed. So that was kind of what, what we did. He also, now that's a, that's a kind of a one man job, but uh, he would, he would also work at Shergain. Um, so he, he spent a little over 30 years there at Shergain in St. Mary's at the mill. Um, so I was the youngest of five brothers. I had, yeah, so four, four older brothers, uh, uh, before me, um, we all had a little stint in the mill uh, as for our summer jobs growing up. Um, so I spent, uh, you know, my summers there, kind of that was, uh, and and around the farm. But uh, I spent four years at the University of Guelph, and that's kind of where I met you, I guess, uh, uh, through yep. that. Great um, spot, great people. Yeah, <laughs> you you learn, meet a lot of people there, eh? Which is which is great to take with you in your career. Yeah. I was I was always interested in farming. I I always kind of wanted to to take that route. Um, if, you know, I, I was kind of thinking that, or, or I would get into trades or something like that. Uh, a lot of my brothers are in the trades, but, uh, I, my uncle Cliff actually was in one who ended up te- te- uh, kind of encouraging me and encouraging me to go, uh, into agriculture there. So, um, I, I went to Guelph and that's, uh, kind of, kind of where I started, um, down my path to, towards where I am today. But, uh, yeah, so. Very cool. Uh, so what did, what did you like about the cropping side of things because you had a little bit more of a livestock um, upbringing right and so what got you hooked on agronomy (laughs) it's a good question I uh, so I spent my first summer when I was at Guelph I went back to Shergain and um, I was working there piling and bagging feed Um, but I decided to take a hard look at what I was available to pursue in in the summertime at Guelph Um, I uh, interviewed with a number of areas and I always like we always uh, uh, grew pioneer products at home. I, uh, you know, and, and kind of uh, had about about a hundred acres that my opa would uh, run with my uncle at our place, and then kind of kind of knew knew a little bit about the cropping side of things from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I kind of I was interested in that side of things, so I I, I looked at what was available, and um, I took an interview with uh, a few agronomists at Pioneer for a summer internship that was close to home. Uh, they, they had, had people covered already for that area, but they gave my name to a guy named Morris Sagers, uh, who worked for Pioneer down in Southwestern Ontario to, and, and, uh, kind of the Essex, Chatham, Kent, Lampton area. Um, so I interviewed with him and sure enough in the 2015 season, I started with Pioneer as an intern. So that was really good. I covered Essex, Chatham, Kent, Lampton, Middlesex, a little bit of West Elgin. 
Um, Holy so smoke. So you've seen <laughs> a lot of the province. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really good. Uh, that's kind of starting with Morris there in 2015 was really where I started to kick things into high gear in terms of uh, my interest in agronomy. And it was great to work with him, worked with him on uh, a number of projects. He, uh, one was the Western bean cutworm project that, that was kind of taken shape um, at Pioneer. Uh, and they, you know, uh, kind of trapping and following that pest uh, closely. Uh, because a, l a lot of grain and livestock producers were having trouble with it, uh, managing it. So that's uh, kind of where I started to uh, look at the projects that I was avail available to do uh, with Pioneer. So I, I started that um, and it was great. Uh, I learned a lot from that and did a really great job working with Morris there. Uh, so kept that going into 2016 um, and, and to later uh, into my, uh, my, my schooling at Guelph there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I got got into uh, to what I know today. And working with Morris was great. He was, you know, it was an open book. My work was kind of his work, so we, you know, we collaborated on a lot of things, and he taught me a, a great deal. So it's always good to have mentors like that. I'm sure you can attest to that too. Oh no, kidding! Like I mean, it. it honestly, though, like what a difference it makes when you have good mentors, right? That you get to For learn sure. from. So, and I think like we're so lucky in agriculture, the summer job opportunities that we have, right? Because you get to try so many different things and find out what you really like and what For you sure. don't, right? So. For you, I mean, that was fantastic, and obviously it was something that you've continued on with. So um, in between um, having your summer jobs and ending up in um, eastern Ontario, you worked in retail for a little bit there. What did you what'd you learn when you were working in retail? Yeah, no, uh, so so from there, yeah, that's uh, um, when I graduated in 20, 2017, um, I accepted a job at FS Partners in Mitchell, so not too far from where you, you would be working there uh, and worked in retail. And that was a, a really, really good opportunity there. I actually had a job accepted in, in the Peace River in Alberta. Oh, yeah. um, I was, I was going to try and try and take that on uh, uh, just for just for four months and work on a farm that uh, that a friend of my dad's owns out that, out that way. So I was going to try that, but um, I ended up not working out. It was a bit of a stretch for me to do. And, and, uh, and my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, Serena, um, I think she would have missed me if I went that far. Um, so, so we decided not to do that together, but, uh, I, uh, so I started FS, FS partners in Mitchell. Uh, that's kind of where I got to, started to look at, you know, deeper into soil fertility, fertilizer blending and, uh, soil test reading and that, that sort of thing. Like I got a lot of, lot on the genetic side of things at Pioneer um, yep. and did and did explore some of that but uh, really and I think you, you would attest to this too you, you really get to know uh, when you're in the blend tower and, and working with those sorts of things uh, a lot more about fertilizer uh, yes, than, for than sure. You, than you would if you don't have that experience, right? So yeah, yeah, and things that we didn't learn in school, right? I mean, yeah. there's definitely a lot on the, <laughs> the fertility piece of things, and just yeah. farmer math that you learn when you're working in retail, right? So yeah, yeah nothing beats I'm, acre math, right? So yeah, yes. it was it was really good to learn <laughs> that stuff, and and uh, I I probably could have done more of that, um, but at the same time, I really enjoyed. Uh, working at Pioneer and I was always kind of looking for opportunities that I could, I could yeah. keep uh, working with them. Uh, I most, you know, I, I kind of gained along the way uh, a really big interest in, in genetics and germplasm and that sort of thing. And, and mm -hmm. uh, Pioneer has been at that for, for a really long time. So, um, you know, I, I, I interviewed with them. Um, I took, took an interview to when this job opened up to come work in the Ottawa Valley. And I wasn't sure about it. I thought I'd, I'd go try the interview. Um, it was in Ottawa, so just to show a little bit of commitment there, I went and drove down to Ottawa. I had never been before, um, but took the drive, took the interview, and uh, really started to take a look at where I wanted to, to head with my career, and I decided to, uh, to, to take that on. So that was right around the time uh, that Serena and I were engaged and, and getting married. So she's a nurse uh, at the Queensway Carleton Hospital here in Ottawa, uh, and that's kind of where we end up. I I'm probably about this will be my third season in the Ottawa Valley, so um, it's been a really, really great uh, experience so far, and I'm I'm excited to share it with you. 
Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for both of you. You know, you got to <laughs> kind of, you know, really start into your careers in a new place and, uh, you know, just being married. And that that's super exciting. So very cool. Very cool for you guys. Yeah. So um, before we talk too much about some of the work that you're doing, I'm always really interested to know just, um, you know, kind of how things change across the province of Ontario. I myself, you know, coming from the clay belt, moving up to a totally different area of the <laughs> province, right? There's, yeah. you know, there's crop production changes. There's huge cultural changes that come um, being in different parts of the province. So what did you find moving from St. Mary's to the Ottawa Valley? Like, is there a difference in some of the cultural practices? Can you speak to that for us a little bit? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I found it, it was a big move for me. I often think about, uh, you know, uh, my opa came in the fifties from Holland and when he came, uh, he came on, on a boat and he, you know, uh, crossed the Atlantic ocean, right. And, and settled where he did. And, um, I often think back to that with a lot of respect, right. Cause it, it mm-hmm. must've been a big move for him. Um, yes. and to leave, leave behind what he did. Right. And, and here I am, you know, moving six hours from home and I, I think it's a big deal for me. Right. And, um, you know, I, I often think about that. I keep that in the back of my mind often. Um, but it's, you know, really, there's a lot more similarities that I've, you know, at, going on my third year here that, that um, then there are differences, right? Now, lots of farmers trying to accomplish the same goals that, that farmers are back home. Like, that's no different. Uh, but yeah, the, there is a, I guess the biggest thing would be the expanse of land between um, between the, the farming that is done in Eastern Ontario versus Western Ontario. And of course okay. there's a big ur- urban center that, uh, that sits right between us too. Right. Um, yes. but, uh, you know, that apart from that, uh, there really is, uh, some, some great, um, opportunities just to, just to see that difference and, and, and what, what, what that makes up. Right. Like I, I found, you know, even, even covering, uh, in the Southwest, you know, that Essex, Chatham, Kent, Lambton, Middlesex area that I did cover when I was an intern, you know, that, that used to be a long drive for me too. Right. And, mm-hmm. You know, but you get to know people and, and that's been the, the best part has been getting to know people and uh, their stories and, and where the, how they've arrived, where they are. Lots of farmers that I would say is what I've learned is they're entrepreneurial, right? Yeah. Um, no matter, sure. no matter what, uh, what, what uh, area you're covering. And now, the, the, the francophone part too uh, has been been a bit of a difference uh, but they, the, the reps that I work with have been great um, with that and I kinda, I don't I don't speak French so I, I digress a little bit but uh, it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's been awesome to, to get to know them as well and, and work with them um, you know just seeing them be, be able to, uh, to to switch from French to English is, is quite quite a talent to, in and of itself right so yeah some, no, something I've always sure. I've always uh, wished that I had. Uh, and more and more now that I that I take on the role that I have, but I can still um, we can still communicate really really well and and uh, and get a lot done for the farmer that way. So yeah, no, it's been that's kind of been the biggest part of it. There are a lot more similarities than there are differences, though. Um, I from a cul- from a cultural standpoint as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And on like the the cropping side of things, so as far as like percentages of crops grown for say corn, wheat, soybeans, and then edibles. Would you say it's similar to Southern Ontario? I mean, it's that's a tough question because it even changes so much depending on where you are here, right? Yeah. Um, but what are you finding up there? Yeah, no, I, I would say um, the crop mix that we grow here is is, is quite similar, right? Like uh, corn and soybeans predominantly and, and more and more as uh, as uh, as things change with time, right? But uh, there's a lot of a lot of that. Um, there's also a lot of dairies here. Um, okay. And we, you know, uh, do a lot of uh, uh, forage production here, so th- that's been, um, I'd say, a similarity to to where I grew up. Um, yeah. One thing, uh, winter winter wheat is is also in rotation here, but uh, there's also a lot of spring wheat. Um, okay. And, and and as Drew kind of alluded to in one of your previous podcasts, there that we do get uh, a significant amount of winter kill on on some of those winter surviving. Um, crops so that that kind of factors in as well right on the, on the crop mix so you can have good success with spring wheat you can have good success with winter wheat here too um th- there's some beautiful land here but the one thing i will say the probably the biggest biggest thing that's changes and this this is again as you as you cover ontario you really come to know uh just how how soils change 
uh, where, yes. where you are, like even you covering, uh, from, from Haldeman and heading up to, uh, um, to Huron County there. Right. Um, yeah, that, for sure. that, uh, that's definitely something that, you know, it takes getting used to, right. Like, uh, I used mm -hmm. to do a lot of blends up when I was working at FS, um, that would be quite different than what, what you recommend here. Right. And it has to do with the soils that you just encounter. And that, that, that part and parcel is like one of the coolest things I think about my job is getting able to, you know, being able to, to manage around those with, with farmers and, and seeing farmers have success with just how much variability gets thrown at them. Right. Um, has yeah. been a really, really cool part about, about where I For am sure. today. So, yeah. For sure. So kind of with that, like, Let's talk a little bit about what you do with the impact trials, because like you just said there, I mean, you know, you're fascinated on, you know, the soil piece of things and just how that impacts the farmer's production rate. So even though you're working for a seed company, I think one of the really cool things about your role and just you in general is that I think you really kick it up a notch just to kind of look at the big picture rather than, you know, just just the hybrids themselves, right? Like you're really trying to look at how can we place these um, the best possible in the best possible areas that we can, um, or how do we manage mm -hmm. certain scenarios? So, talk a little bit about the impact trials. Maybe just start by what is what does that stand for for those that have never yeah. heard of them before? <laughs> yeah. So, so the, they're uh, our impact program. So I, I guess I'll yeah I'll start with what uh, impact stands for. So, impact stands for intensively managed product advancement and characterization trials. So okay. that, that name, you know, it's a bit of a mouthful there, but when you, when you, when you break it down, you can really start to understand what we're trying to do with those trials. Right. So it's a unique part of our research process where we, where we test pre-commercial hybrids and bridal germplasm. Right. But we try and test them more efficiently and effectively across as many environments as we can. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, the philosophy behind it is is placing the right product on the right acre, right? Mm -hmm. And that's uh, that's a long time adage that we've used at Pioneer, but it's it's really one of the driving principles behind that. So, I I started working uh, with 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 Impact program um, when I was an intern. Uh, you know, as, as I said, Morris was a was quite um, a, a resource to me, and 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 really showed me kind of how to characterize products and, and, uh, and get an idea of how they perform in different areas. Right. So these trials are basically what they are is they're, uh, we test a lot of our pre-commercial, uh, germplasm there. Um, they cover all range of maturities from in Ontario, uh, for, for where there's soybean and corn production. So, um, generally it's a, it's a pretty, pretty wide reaching program run out of our regional testing facility. So one of those would be, uh, Woodstock, um, where we've kind of had, had a, a multi research or multi crop research center out of out of Woodstock there um, that we operate out of, but the one I locally operate out of is would be uh, Cote de Lac, and it's just on the edge uh, of of the Quebec Ontario border on the Quebec side. Um, so out of there, we will run planters um, and equipment uh, that that we work with our cooperators on that are that are farmers in the area um, to test to test these. Uh, uh, hybrids and, and varieties under different conditions, right? So we generally uh, have really good relationships with those those producers, um, are able to go out and uh, and install these things for them, and of course they manage the way they would on top of them, and yep. uh, and we can we can take notes and and uh, and yield data um, am amongst a whole bunch of other things on them awesome. all throughout the season. So that's kind of how it works. Um, it's been a great program. It's one of the one of the things I really appreciate about being able to work at Pioneer is, is, is that, uh, that data behind, uh, what, what we, uh, what we're producing here. So that's uh, sure. kind of a little bit of a precursor to impact. So, yeah. And now, so these hybrids and varieties that you're looking at, um, that yep. are in like the pre-commercial phase, how long before they would come to commercialization? Like how, how far back are you looking? Sure. Yeah, no. So, so generally you have a research pipeline, right. And, uh, yep. Um, what, what goes in there is, is really the, um, the best of the best, right? And, yep. um, and then we, we select from that, uh, that uh, kind of pool, if you will. But it, it's generally about two years in, in impact testing that we, uh, okay. so we'll make a decision on, on those things. And, and that's kind of uh, how that works. So get two, year, two good years to look at a product before it ever uh, hits the market across such a wide geography has been a really, really great part of my job that's, that's helped uh, build confidence for sure and what you're what you're using 
but uh, yeah. For sure, and probably for yeah. your sales reps too, right? If they have the opportunity to take a look at some of these trials and know that you've got confidence in those products before sure. they're coming to market, right? So, and it is nice, I mean like, you know, we all get the calls in the spring if you have, say, a hybrid that's a little bit slower to come out of the ground or something. Like, it is very nice to have the confidence just to know, well, yes, this hybrid is one that is a little bit slower to come out of the ground in these conditions, but don't worry, by six leaf, you won't even tell anymore, right? So <laughs> sure. it's, it's yeah. nice having that understanding, right? Um, yeah. Okay, so aside from that, like, like, you do some cool stuff in a day. Like, I follow your Twitter, and if nobody else does, they need to because I think uh, a lot of the stuff that you're doing is pretty cool. Um, well, thank so you. Let's, yeah. let's talk about some of that. Like, I'm just going to start off with um, going out and uh, testing temperature sensitivity on corn. So, I see it out there with the ice. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a fun one that I uh, yeah. tried this year. Um, really, at the end of the day, like, I... I, uh, I've been trying to learn a little bit more just to, you know, being, being new in the career, right. And, um, you, you get told often by, by farmers and, and a lot of agronomists that you respect a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, you know, um, that are principles like, uh, and fundamentals to what you're doing. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I, I've, I've often, uh, really taken those comments to, uh, with me in my job everywhere I've gone. Right. And, and one of those was, uh, you know, just, just how much, uh, um, you know, temperature had, plays a role in, in emergence, right? But more, uh, moreover, just how much uh, so soil fitness and conditions are, are important to what we do, right? So yes. I've always taken that, like, uh, if, you know, if the ground will carry and soil conditions are suitably fit, then uh, then we should be planting, right, in Ontario in a lot of cases, right? And, uh, you know, that's, that's always been a staple of kind of one of the things that I've learned, right? But uh, mm -hmm. oftentimes it takes you to, to try a few things to under, really understand something, right? So what I was trying to do with the ice there is, I guess, uh, I had some buffer in, uh, in some of those impact trials that uh, were mentioned before. And um, I wanted to take a look at uh, what the effect of, of temperature uh, just just prior to like a temperature shock prior to, or right after planting rather, um, the effect that that can have on uh, germination um, and, and stand establishment, right? So um, a lot of the literature will say, you know, at, at around 10 degrees is, is where, and, and below is where corn starts to slow and uh, you start to see all sorts of germination oddities and issues that way, right? So I wanted to test that, I guess, more or less with, with that experiment. I, I tried some of that with uh, I, every year I get an, uh, an intern to work with, right? So I get to hire, uh, you know, um, someone someone out of Guelph or or that to kind of kind of what the same role I was doing uh, not too long yeah. ago, right? Yeah. Um, so so I had uh, Colin Jansen. He's from Huron County. I uh, brought him out east for for a season, and we awesome. tried that for proof, proof of concept last year. And I have these little data loggers that I'll bury in the soil and, and take half hour temperatures on them. Um, so we, we tried a little bit of that and we were able to kind of prove that you, okay, we were able to drop temperature for another, uh, 12, 18 hours. Right. Um, and keep it nice and cool. So we, I kind of scaled that up a little bit this year and tested, um, that on some impact buffer and, uh, was able to see what we kind of learned there. Right. Just more or less to test, uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, the fundamentals that you, you often hear about when, uh, when you're new to the job right so <laughs> for sure and it's yeah. man it's so true like seeing is believing right like i feel for like sure. you have a lot of aha moments during your career when you actually see something that you have been told about for years right so for sure that's yeah. probably one of those scenarios so are we yeah. going to get to see the results from that anywhere or is that just you're going to tuck that under your hat and keep that one to yourself <laughs> no yeah I, I can talk a little bit about the results there i've uh what i did after they there was emergence there was a uh, quick fly my my uav over top um um and and get a stand count and that's something we'll talk about next but yeah uh, about something i've been working on but uh from that i was able to find uh you know we dropped dropped the stand about about a thousand um okay. to two thousand plants per acre um so it did have an effect albeit a smaller one mm -hmm. um i think what really had the effect was uh what most of these were planted may 5th and 6th right and, and you got to take temperature or uh, soil soil uh, characteristics into into account yes. here too right yes. and uh so uh we were able to find that you know after that from that seventh to eleventh time frame in may we really got uh, uh quite a bit of cool weather no 
no heat unit accumulation uh, and soil temperatures dropped pretty low and we had some even some snow right so i think that had had a lot of impact on the stand there uh, but in general i found it really didn't have much of a difference beyond that uh, one to two thousand right um so and i think that that harkens back to like i didn't maybe keep it cool enough right i it was because i followed that right and you know i was able to drop it and keep it cooler for that eight to 12 hours but the the soil was just had a tremendous ability to 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 keep and radiate heat and uh as soon as that ice was gone it was right back up to uh, to a good temperature so i i guess for me what is firmed down is, is soil conditions are everything right um and that's uh that's very much in line with what i was always taught taught right so <laughs> Yep. You're, no, you're 100% right, and it's interesting because I think some folks who are planting into cooler conditions on some heavier ground, yeah. ground a little bit less fit this spring, maybe ran into a few more emergence issues than folks that are on some, you know, different soil types, a little better drainage and stuff, right? So I think For that sure. is 100%, 100% accurate. So mm. as far as, like, the, the equipment that you're using to measure soil temperatures, talk about that a bit because I am, like, I've seen some of the graphs that you have um, just, you know, post it on Twitter and stuff. And yeah. I think it's awesome just to be able to track that over the course of the day and, uh, far better than what I'm doing, going out there with my little <laughs> thermometer and shoving it in the ground. So talk about what you're using. Cause I think it's cool. Well, yeah, no, I, uh, that's, you know, a good, a good point. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we always look at the, what's instant, instantaneously going on when we're planting. Right. And, yep. um, and you know, the, these, uh, what what I was mentioning before about these, uh, they're called watchdogs. Basically, what they are is a little uh, data logger, right? And I can I can set them using my computer and uh, and bury them in the soil at various depths. And they'll, what they'll do is just record the temperature every uh, every half hour or fifteen minutes or whatever I set, right? And, yeah. And they'll do that for for a week, and then I'll go back and dig them up and see what I found, right? So for, for, from a research standpoint, I've been able to really effectively use them because it's great to see, okay, we're a week into April, you know, the end of April, guys are thinking about going and, uh, you know, you can just, you can just have a little bit more of an in-depth look at that. Right. And, and guys sure. often, you know, some of the, you know, that planting is such an art, right. Um, you know, as much as it is a science that way. Um, so it's, but it's great to have just that little bit of, uh, information too. I found, um, just, just, to, just to record things over time, right. And see how they change. So one of the things I did with that was to take, uh, I have three of them. So I buried one at one inch and one at two inch and one at three inch depth, right. Um, earlier on. And it's just amazing the, the principles that you can illustrate with, with them. So I've had really, uh, really good success with that, uh, just in following soil temperatures and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's kind of what I use them for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I imagine like you would learn yeah. so much just by being able to study that and having those mm -hmm. records year after year to go back on. Right. So if we face like another similar situation where we're seeing similar soil sure. temperatures, you kind of, you have that data to rely on and then that experience to pull back from. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. You're using a lot of other pretty cool technology in your role. You alluded to UAVs a little bit ago, um, as well as, uh, I, is, like, yeah. is that a hobby or is that for work? I just have to know. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it kind of started as an impulse buy for me, I'll be honest. Like, hey, those I, are the uh, best. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so I, I guess uh, I got my first uh, UAV or drone or whatever you want to call it. Uh, about five years ago, I, I bought one. Uh, um, you know, to have a little bit of fun and, and we kind of record some of the things I was, was fortunate enough, enough to be doing. Um, so it was definitely along the lines of more of a pastime for me, but, uh, that being said, it's, it's become a really useful tool. Like I, I've been able to use it from an agronomy standpoint since those, uh, since my getting my first one, uh, to, to, to really illustrate a lot of things and, and, and learn a lot, uh, from a different perspective, uh, definitely. So. So uh, some of the some of the things I used it for, you know, just just taking a look at uh, um, certain deficiencies or issues we were seeing in the field uh, mm -hmm. at any given time, right? And um, uh, taking you know documenting notes on different uh, different hybrids and varieties is, is something that I've used it for. But since then, there's been just a it's a tremendous amount of, of research and development uh, going into them, right? And and yes. and you can you can see that coming uh, coming out into 
to more of an effective tool rather than just a, uh, a fun thing to use on, on the farm, right? So, um, well, there's so many yeah. algorithms that are being built into For um, sure. what we can do with the images that we're getting back, right? Like, I think, you know, obviously, like, the cameras are getting so much better, but, like, the algorithms in the background um, that we're using later on, I think, are getting so much better. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So so one of those, like, uh, you know, we, we've, at Corteva and at Pioneer, we've been in the like the uav game for quite a while right and it's certainly been interesting to watch it change right and and see what it's done to to the way we do business because now over the course of that t- those 10 years right um wasn't without its challenges to overcome but uh we can start getting uh plant counts on on our bigger research facilities right uh you can get plant height ear height all, all these different metrics right um and measures that go into developing a good product for the farmer at the end of the day. Right. So, uh, you know, you put that over a multitude of different crops that, uh, uh, that we grow and, and you can really start to learn stuff. So one of the things that came out of research was the ability to use, uh, you know, just, just an everyday UAV that, uh, that, you know, you can get on the market today, um, to do stand counts, uh, on the farm. Right. Uh, and that's something that, uh, we've developed, at Corteva to, to use. Right. And I've kind of had a bit of, um, a, a bit of a hand in, in, in helping them get it into, uh, get it into Canada. So, so what that is, is, is basically it's called Corteva flight. And, and what it does for us is allows us to do uh, multiple stand counts on a, on a, say a hundred acre field. Um, I can run, uh, you know, 60 images and, and get a stand count, uh, by the time the drone lands. And it's been a really effective tool, um, um, from that perspective. So that's something that I'm really, really excited to, to use this year. I will have used it probably on 3000 acres this year on an acre grid. So really gives you, starts to give you a really good idea of what's actually happening. Right. Whereas before it was, <laughs> well, and it, it, you know. it takes the, like any type of human error out of it. Right. I For mean, sure. I've been out yeah. doing stand codes, you know, just the old fashioned way this spring. Right. <laughs> and I mean, you do your best, but when you're looking at things from above and using algorithms to measure, like, I mean, it's so much more accurate than what we can do. Mm-hmm. And efficient, like just from a time standpoint too. So for, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Like you take, you take a look at like, uh, that was one of the first things uh, I ever learned to do on the farm was, was to take a stand count. Right. And it's a thousandth of an acre, right? Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. kick your, uh, kick your boots. Right. And then, uh, do your count. Right. And, yep uh that's that's still a great way like you, you can you can get uh you know get to take a look and i've been finding I, I still still do that but i can get a tenth of an acre sample across a hundred acre field on one battery charge and by the time it lands i got the analysis and i can go okay right to the problem issues right diagnose what yes. the issue is and and it's been really great for that so pretty excited about that and, and how well it works uh, i've been able to to back check it of course against uh, what we're doing in the field and I'm finding it's probably about 95%, probably more, more accurate than, uh, than I would ever get with a, with a manual stand count. So I'm pretty excited about that. It's been one of the cool developments that have been using this year. Yeah. Well, and like a development that has really come about in such a, a pretty short period of time, right? Like even a few years ago, that's not really something that we would be talking about today. So that's, For sure. um, that's awesome. And then I did see, um, like you're using, uh, like that technology too, to do some assessment of winter kill and alfalfa as well. I saw that the other day. So talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I, I kind of, when I was listening to your, to your last podcast with Drew there, I can definitely attest to, to winter kill being uh, something that we, we contend with in Eastern Ontario for sure. Um, you know, and I, I think in Terry on in Ontario as a whole. So, um, we had, you know, a, a pretty tough forage year, I would say, in, in eastern Ontario uh, in general last year, um, which really, really caused, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of stocks to be low heading into, into February and March, right, uh, uh, as far as, as far as alfalfa and, and uh, haylage and that sort of thing, right? So um, one of the things that we're working with, and I think it's, it's, in, it's in concert with OMAFRA, is, is to... Uh, just assess what's going on in, in those areas. Um, and uh, one of the ways I've been getting, you know, been able to quantify what 
the winter kill in a, in a particular area has been through the use of imagery and be it satellite imagery or, or the use of a UAV if you need a little bit of a, a, a bigger picture of what's going on, right? So I've been able to do that with that. It's been really, really helpful um, to the grower in, in terms of how to manage that going forward if it's a new seeding or a first year seeding or um, that kind of stuff. So been using it for that has been a great tool um, to help us help us do that project uh, a little bit better as well, for sure. I think that that's fantastic. And yeah. just to even put a number on it, right? Because I mean, like we know, like assessing winter kill, like when I kind of like first heard about, you know, UAVs becoming more commonplace in agriculture, like this was when I was working down in Haldeman, right? On some winter yeah. ground, like we were just thinking like, man, like that is, would be really fantastic just for quantifying winter kill because it is so hard to tell somebody uh, like how many acres you think that has been killed out in a field too, right? Oh, for so, sure, yeah. And like yeah. you said, like trying to work towards finding out some of the other, you know, underlying issues there too. So mm -hmm. very, very cool. Um, are there any other like pieces of technology that you get to use in your day-to-day -day that we haven't touched on that um, you have found to be very useful and think we'll, uh, we'll see a lot of value from moving forward? Yeah, no, I, I, that's a great question. There's, you know, it's one of the things that we're really fortunate today to, to have the opportunity to, to use the tools that we do, right? And, and again, at the end of the day, there, you put the tool in the right hands, right? And that's, yep. that's kind of the way I've, I've kind of looked at it, right? And you got you to gotta learn that and temper that with experience too. But uh, we really do get to, to use a lot, of, a lot of awesome technology, right? And it helps us do our job better, as I say. I would say, especially in Eastern Ontario, um, where we, we run up against a certain variability, right? Um, so it's, it's been really handy to, to use uh, the UAVs for sure. One of the things I, I, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to use is, is just some of the things that the farmers have available to them as well, right? And, you know, if you look back, like yield monitors and that sort of thing, uh, uh, you know, and, and just the, the precision technologies that are available to farmers on on a daily basis right you think about what goes into that and what they're capable of, of perhaps doing for us right we just don't know the upper limit of that yet right so exploring that has been fun and, and helping helping growers uh get a better handle on on those things has been been a pretty a pretty big growth opportunity for me in general because when i when i started you know you think ah oh, man uh you know coming from 100 acres of personal loan some days it's you know you, you you, you rarely change what you're doing across those acres, but um, when we get into any sort of variability, um, it, it can become really interesting to think about what if we change this um, to match, you know, if we change management X to applied to, you know, any situation, right? And, um, that's been really, really interesting part uh, about applying this technology. So that's been interesting. I would say, um, you know, the imagery side of things as well. Um, you know, you think about a satellite image picture of your farm every day, what that can begin to tell you and, and the, and the, uh, the story that can, can start to build for your particular operation, like um, that can really help you understand things a little better too, I think. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I wanted to ask you too, because you collect so much data, right? Like I talked to you the other day and you were <laughs> compiling data. And so just having that um, at your fingertips and kind of being the ones to actually analyze some of that and across everything that you do, like, is there anything that you've learned that has really surprised you that you don't think you would have learned had you not um, been collecting and analyzing the data? Like, are there, what, what are we missing by not doing that? Yeah, I, that's a really good question it's really remarkable how much you can information you can collect on a crop right mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and one of the guiding principles for me as i've as i've grown into my role and 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 worked worked with the agronomy team at pioneer has been you know realizing the end goal right and the end goal has been yield and yield stability for us right that's kind of a guiding principle right and, and there's there's two components to that right the the yield being you know what what pays the bills at the end of the day and, and the stability, which is, is, is what makes a product reliable and durable over time. Right. Um, so those, those are the two metrics that I think, you know, or, or, or end goals, I guess, guiding principles behind uh, what, what our data is trying to, to help us better understand. So, you know, when I look at what I'm collecting, you know, be it stand count data or um, emergence notes or bigger notes, right. They all, it all, it all 
kind of points back to, to those two principles, right? And, and if we can help a farmer do that uh, or, or employ those things on their farm, uh, I think that's really where, where the data can help. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I get, a, I get, you know, I get to collect a lot of data, but I also get to, to use a lot of information and data to, to better drive decisions. And that's, I think what it, at the end of the day, what it's all about is better driving decisions for sure. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I do like that a minute ago, like you brought up the point that, um, the farmers that you're working with, you know, they have a lot of great technology on farm too. Like there is a lot available to us, especially as, you know, the newer equipment comes out and a lot of it, you know, well, pretty well everything new is coming, like, you know, yield monitors built in, um, and variable rate yeah. capabilities are becoming a lot more commonplace, right? And um, I, I don't know Eastern Ontario well. Sounds like there is a lot of variability. What has, um, what, what has the uptake been like in that area? as far as adoption for variable rate technologies for say fertilizer and seeding? Yeah, I would say that, that uh, there's a lot of growers that I get the, the privilege to work with who've, who've adopted it well. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, you always meet, meet farmers where they're at, right. And in that particular, you know, and, and, and I think working collaboratively to, to, to better utilize those things and, and different yeah. things that you're doing is, is important as well. Right. And it's probably one of the bigger hurdles, right. And yeah. if we could, if we could all work a little bit better at, at trying to to make things communicate well with each other and that sort of thing, um, it would would go a long way into into helping that. But yeah, no, for sure, I I would say the adoption has been has been pretty good on on a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of the farms that I've worked with. Uh, be it through, I think variable rate lime is has been kind of the lowest hanging fruit, right? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, correct, sure. correcting correcting pH here is is a uh, really important to managing, you know, just cause you look at, uh, you know, soils from, from back home in Perth County, it would be, you know, mainly calcareous parent material. So like, like a, a limestone based, uh, uh, parent material. Right. And, and so the pHs are, are often, uh, often higher than what I would, you know, get to work with here on a daily basis, but they've done a, you know, farmers that I work with today have done a really good job of correcting that. Right. And, and the crops are, you know, uh, they reflect that, right? And, um, so that's been one area where I think they've, there's been huge strides and and uh, applications, right? And I uh, look at some of the work that uh, my predecessor Paul Hermans has done on variable rate seeding and those sorts of things. He's done some really good uh, good work in in the way of of, of looking at that too. So um, there are areas where you know I, some days I, it's it's hard for me to, to wrap my head around it, but uh, you know I'm you know learning all the time as as you know. Well, and, uh, we all are, know. Yeah. right? And I, I sure. like that you brought up yeah. um, just the fact that kind of we learn more when we all work collaboratively, right? And mm. I think that's been a pretty common theme on this podcast so far, actually, just because, you know, <laughs> well, the last couple have been more geared towards the nutrition side of things, and we've kind of, you yeah. know, acknowledged a little bit of a gap there. But I think we can even sometimes have a little bit of a gap, um, even amongst agronomists or different parts of the province with what we're doing, because it's so easy just to get wrapped up in your day to day and like your own operation, your own goals. Right. But um, I think it is is important to be working collaboratively because we learn more that way. Right. So, yeah, for (laughs) sure. Yeah. Um, No, it's a good point. So, like, one thing that you had mentioned to me just um, when we spoke before uh, a little bit briefly there, um, you had mentioned that you are working to create a bit of an agronomy network kind of in eastern Ontario. So, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So, you know, I get a, I get the great opportunity to, to work in, in programs such like Impact, where we, you know, we work quite closely with the grower on that end. But, uh, but one of the things I was, you know, thinking about um, over the past year is just how we can get farmers to work together more collaboratively on that end. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ways we've done this is, is by creating a, a little bit of a, an agronomy network is kind of kind of how we talk about it. But uh, basically, we've gotten together with, with a, a number of farmers in eastern Ontario and uh, that we've worked with on a regular basis and, and given them uh, kind of, you know, what we're looking to accomplish with in terms of studying our new hybrids and, and uh, commercial new commercial launches and that sort of thing. And, and what's going on with, in terms of new technologies, such as the, the, the UAV and uh, tissue sampling and soil fertility and, and that, those sorts of things. So 
we've, we've kind of started, uh, you know, just, just getting those, those individuals working collaboratively on that and working together. Um, and it's been great so far. So, so we have, you know, about four new hybrids that we're testing in, in different maturity ranges with them this year, mm-hmm. getting to replicate it twice. And, and, uh, I've flown across all those acres with my UAV. So we're, you know, we have a, a bit of a friendly competition going on there too. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of, kind of working on it collaboratively, right. And, and, you know, getting farmers together has been great. So and it's something, you know, we've been able to keep, keep going as we, uh, you know, even in light of COVID and everything, but, uh, you know, just get, uh, get farmers working and sharing what they're seeing on their farm um, that way. So it's been, it's been a really great opportunity. And uh, so far we've got close to 30 sites uh, where we're testing this. So it's going to drive a lot of good data at the end of the day. But what I really have enjoyed so far is just uh, seeing um, farmers come together and work, work collaborative collaboratively and help each other out at the end of the day. Right. So, so I'll, I'll keep it posted on what I, what we find out. We, uh, we created a bit of a beast with that and but it's been good i think we got the uh the, the ability to execute on it so uh, it's going to be pretty fun yeah. people love seeing what works on their farm too but like people really like to have the confidence to know that it's worked across a number of acres too right so i think getting sure. that data back at the end of the day um you know is really beneficial to the growers that you're working with and like you said just kind of bringing people together. We have, I think, a little bit less coffee shop talk <laughs> um, than we used <laughs> lately, to, right? Yeah. There, well, but yeah, no, especially lately. But even just like, you yeah. know, then there used to be previously amongst farmers, right? As farm sizes get bigger and people are maybe sure. like a little bit more isolated. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just how I feel. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's really cool just to try and bring them together through the research so that's cool and that so that's something that you and like you said your, your predecessor have just kind of um spearheaded there so i think that's that's really awesome good for you yeah it's the fun part about it is he uh he, he used to have my role as agronomist so i i've over my the course of my career I've, I've gotten to work with some really really uh awesome people and i'm quite fortunate that way right that uh you know that have worked worked in pioneer or be it at fs right i've i've really had some great people that have gone before me and kind of taught me a lot and, and Paul would be one of those. So he, he's, he's, uh, currently the territory manager for this area, but uh, okay. I get to work with him on this agronomy project and it's been, it's been pretty fun so far for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to keep you forever. Um, but I want to, <laughs> there's so much more that I would like to learn, especially just about <laughs> Eastern Ontario. Like, geez, I talk about it as sure. if it's like, I don't know, the East Coast or something, but it's just, it's not an area that I have really, you know, visited myself. And um, I just, I, I like learning about different areas and um, yeah, for sure. just Me different too. operations yeah. <laughs> and stuff, right? So, yeah. um, but one thing um, I just want to leave with, and I want to ask you, like, looking at, you know, say the province as a whole, not just your trading area what are one or two ways that you really feel um that we could start to improve agronomy practices or crop production practices across the province yeah i it's a great question i i like how you end off with that and i i think (laughs) you know it's coming (laughs) exactly but one of the things uh that I really appreciated about it, about it is it's look, look exactly what you're doing, right. Holding podcasts like this is, is something that I think, you know, it's just, just been great for the industry and, mm-hmm. and sharing, sharing information and sharing knowledge, right. Mm-hmm. Has been great that way. But I would say one of the things that I've, I've learned in my career is, is, you know, focusing, uh, you know, first on the, on getting the fundamentals, right. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have our profession, right. And, and we're all, we all, uh, you know, have our passion, right. And, and, and folk, you know, with that comes, comes a lot of people that have gone before you. Right. And, yep. and, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned is, is, is really focusing on, on executing on those fundamentals can, can really help. Right. And just like we were talking about before, some of the things that I've, I've been able to test, right. All, all point back to, to, you know, farmers who have mastered the fundamentals, uh, can really rise to the top of their game. Right. And, and learn to try new things and learn to apply those new things. But, you know, through, through the lens of, of, of getting really good at, uh, at what they do. Right. And I think that's, that's one of the areas that I'll, I'll continue to focus on as I, as I go forward in my career. And, and one of the areas that I think um, it, it really is at the end of the day, one, one of the most important things to, 
to focus on, right? Uh, you know, um, and it could be it could be you know one of the one of the one of the more challenging things to get right sometimes, right? Um, well, but, you're right, and it's um, it's e- it's easy to look for that silver bullet, right? Like that one thing yeah. that's going to make a big difference on farm. Um, <laughs> it's but but you're right. If if you if you work at the things that you you know know pay back consistently. Um, I think that you yeah, can consistently do a lot better job on your operation and then, you know, start to progress and do some of the different things from there. So I think that's a really, really good point and a, a good point for people like in their professional careers as well too, right? For like, sure. You know, yeah. know the base agronomy and then go from there, but to really understand, um, you know, what you're doing, you have to have that good foundation first. So I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure, yeah. No, it's it's been a guiding principle of mine, I guess. In in the yeah. early years, I've uh, I've been working so. <laughs> yeah, because you're yeah. so old, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that like that sticks with me a little bit, like for grain marketing too, because I think some of the best advice that I've heard from anyone on the grain marketing side of yeah. things is like, don't just try and hit the highs. Just avoid doing all of these things that cause <laughs> you to hit yeah. the lows, and you'll probably do okay. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a, I think that's a good reminder for too. Sure. So <laughs> anyways, mm-hmm. so Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview with me today. Um, you have so much cool stuff that you've been sharing on Twitter too with what you've been doing, doing out in the field. Um, and I really hope that you share some of the results with us at the end of the season once you've had a chance to compile the data. So if folks want to follow along with you, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can, they can reach me on, uh, you'll see some of the stuff that I'm doing on Twitter there at Chris Olback is my handle. Um, but you can Perfect. also reach out to me personally anytime. Uh, I have no problem with that. So yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. I thank you. Thank you for having me. I think it's, I think it's great what you're, what you're doing and getting going here. And I, like I said, I really appreciate it. It's been, uh, been fun. Awesome. No, great to have you. And like I said, I really appreciate what you're doing with growers up in Eastern Ontario too. So thank you, Chris. Right on. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more episodes, please subscribe. You can find updates to new episodes on my Twitter at prosperityag0l.